During this episode of Brain Noodles, we are going to go into extensive discussion around COVID-19 and the realities of living in a world with COVID-19. If you are not in a place where you feel like you can handle hearing that, please feel free to skip this episode. We'll have more content for you coming soon. Honorable mention, also, if you are uh, trying to avoid any topics surrounding suicide or self-injury, please avoid the what are we noodling on towards the end of the episode. When Dr. Kelly Dunlap speaks, she does briefly mention a training she experienced around non-suicidal self-injury. Welcome to the Geeks Like Us podcast, Brain Noodles. I am your host, Dr. Megan Connell, and I'm joined today by three other fabulous psychologists. If you want to introduce yourselves in no particular order, I'm going to go Sarah. She's below me. Hello, my name is Dr. Sarah Hayes. I am the clinical contributor for Take This. I also am a therapist working right now for the state of Washington. Well, I don't work for the state of Washington. I theoretically work in the state of Washington, but I'm located elsewhere because the teletherapies are strong. And then I also, you know, do things with the geeks like us, like brain noodles or the happy app. Awesome. How about we'll go over to Rachel next. I am Dr. Rachel Cowart. I am the research director of Take This. I'm also a newly minted content creator, Psychgeist, where I create content about the science of games on Twitch and YouTube. And then last, but certainly not least, Kelly. It's me. My name is Dr. Kelly Dunlap. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist practicing in Maryland. I'm also the community manager for Take This and an adjunct professor at American University teaching in the game design lab. Awesome. Well, welcome. We are back this week and getting, you know, summer is starting to wind down. And uh, so how are y'all doing? I mean, like, it still feels like, you know, March. (laughs) Yes, it does. Things have been like this since forever. How how are y'all doing? That's the loaded question. <laughs> I mean, I'm doing okay. I think the longer it goes on, the better it is. Uh, although I also think the longer it goes on, the less the people around me are aware that it's meant to still be the same as it was in March. I feel like I'm the only one still living in a March mindset sometimes, but... Um, same. Yeah? Yeah. Same. Right now, I just took my dogs outside between work and this lovely podcast, and... Uh, where I'm staying is located on a lake. And so every house along the shore has access to like little side streets that cut down towards the lake. So they're vertical. And so my family's yard as a result um, is lined with cars right now as the neighbor across the street apparently has guests worthy of eight car loads. Uh, they also had an over 100 person graduation party um, months back. And it's like, Food trucks and outdoors are not not sufficient to protect you from the the, the clot causing death disease. Please mm-hmm. stop. Yeah. Even now. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah, I saw saw someone mentioning um, this feels like an epic case of like gaslighting, where I am yeah. <laughs> believing that I'm in a pandemic and that I'm acting accordingly and <laughs> I am taking precautions and encouraging those around me to do the same. And then I see other people just like YOLO or whatever. And I'm, are we living in the same reality? Because it kind of feels like we're not. 
but I guess we are. Yeah. We four are living in the same reality. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, and it's so frustrating because, like, uh, there's that. I think I talked about this before. That sentiment of like, this is why I hated group projects in school, of like mm-hmm. doing the right thing, and like the people who aren't doing the right thing are getting to benefit from those of us who have been doing the right thing. And like, my husband and I, we celebrated our eight year anniversary a few weeks ago, and so like we were like, all right, let's try to go out. We will sit outside. We will do this. And where we were sitting, we had line aside of the bar and the person who brought us our drinks wasn't wearing a mask. And I was like sitting there going, I can't drink them. And then I looked in, I saw the bartender who was making all the drinks was not wearing a mask and then hugged some patrons who also were not wearing masks. And then I, yeah, nope, nope, did not drink anything the whole time we were there. Um, and I, I, I was that person who looked up like the health and safety regulations and like, nope, they were not following them. <laughs> it's, it's just like, okay, well, I guess we'll try this again in a year. Maybe <laughs> this is the thing you say that the other people around us are benefiting, but we're also suffering <laughs> from yes. everyone else yeah. doing the, not the right thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, oh, it's so frustrating. Yeah. And like, I get, I get a little bit of easing up, you know, it's kind of like you can only be on lock lockdown for so long before, for example, we no longer wipe down our groceries after we go grocery shopping with Clorox wipes, mostly because we ran out of Clorox wipes and have not been able to find more. But like, that's something where I'm like, okay, you know what, maybe we've been doing it for a couple of weeks just because we Mm -hmm. had to. Okay. You know what? I guess mm-hmm. that's a thing. And so I, I have some sympathy for people like loosening up a little bit, but yeah, this like, you know, so we were supposed to sacrifice for a certain amount of time and uh, there was supposed to be something done about it and well, nothing yeah. was done about it. Well, because we people did didn't sacrifice enough. And then we learn, like we learn as we go too. like now we learn transmission across services is very, very low. Whereas transmission across air is the primary way in which COVID-19 transmits. So maybe don't have a hundred person party in your backyard, even though you're outside, but not wiping down your groceries, probably a safe, a safe way to loosen the belt there. Well, and I think as research develops and we learn more about what is and what isn't a source of transfer, like pets are a little more in the gray area versus Mm -hmm. groceries and surfaces like the span of contact risk is shorter than we thought it was, according to current research as of August 2020. Run that out there just to timestamp this conversation. But then also, like, masks are way more important than we thought they were. Mm-hmm. Like, way more important. Mm-hmm. And yes, there was a particular discussion around how masks weren't necessary in the beginning, not because they weren't effective, but because we wanted to save the PPE for the medical workers in direct mm-hmm. and absolute contact with people who were definitely sick. Like, mm-hmm. And so we didn't want people panic buying those. You can panic buy toilet paper all you want. You're never going to cover enough poop with that toilet paper, but you definitely need masks as a medical provider. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. But then again, there's this whole, like, now I know we're going to transition into a conversation about school today, but mm-hmm. I know from a lot of my teacher friends, there's a lot of frustration around the conversation that's happening. There's a viral Facebook post that has been going around for the past week from nurses to teachers. Have any of you seen this? No, no. So let me look it up while we're talking about it. But the gist of it is that nurses are saying to teachers, like, hey, we were scared too. We were nervous going to work, knowing that we're essential workers, knowing that we're going to come across sick people, 
knowing that we're going to be facing a different reality. But now we know what's going on. Now we know how to work in this environment and you can too. Mm. Nurses and yeah, everybody's shaking their heads already. Nurses no. and doctors have access to exclusive PPE and cleaning supplies that teachers most certainly already struggled to obtain when they had a better budget, when they had more access to resources, and when there wasn't a shortage due to pandemic. So it's like, there's this tone deaf vibe that I get on a really big soapbox on, obviously, right now, uh, about these things, because it's like, we can't get tired of things just because it's inconvenient. We mm -hmm. can't ignore it just because it's inconvenient. I want to hug people too. I want to. When I came out here to be close to family, it was like I stayed in my aunt's mother-in-law apartment in her basement for two weeks. I couldn't hug her. I couldn't touch her because she's a nurse. If I did, I would reset that clock. And in order for me to be closer to the family who, who is very much compromised and at risk, I had to stay dutiful to that. And there's so much public trust that we must rely upon that people are follying makes me yeah. very very upset <laughs> like hugging patrons that's absurd at least make it your mom don't yeah those at your bar yeah it's <sighs> it's not cool and like it's it's just it is so frustrating because it's the thing of do the right thing like um my we're really lucky in a lot of ways the um YMCA near where we live has been having summer camp and so we've been letting our kids go to summer camp there but I send my kids in masks every day and they're the only kids in masks and they came home yesterday and they're like you know our counselor said we don't have to wear masks and I sat down with them and I said okay this is what you tell your counselor they're like I know that but it's better for everybody if we do wear masks so we're gonna wear them and like my mommy is a motherfucking doctor <laughs> and she said I'm wearing yeah. a mask. <laughs> Are you a doctor? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's um it, it's just really interesting and like this because we don't know how long this disease is going to stick around and we don't know if it's going to mutate. That's the thing that get my brain anxiously noodles on every now and then, which is not fun. And you know, it we might have to be in the habit of always having a mask on. And that it's not fun, but you can live with it. You can figure it out. You know what the message is? I mean, the, the thing that... Go ahead, Kelly. I would say just even, you know, the thing that gives me kind of hope, I guess, is I look at New Zealand. Mm -hmm. They haven't had a new case of COVID in 100, 101 days. Wow. Like, they're all going about their lives. Their kids are going to school. Like, this is what happens mm -hmm. when you listen to scientists. They did you know, have... And you take reasonable precautions. They did just have four new cases, but... The city where they had them is uh -huh. on like a complete lockdown for the next two weeks and the rest of the country is on a moderate yeah. lockdown right and yeah so like four and they are yep like locking it down and i from what i've read those are external cases like people mm -hmm. came yeah. in from out of but regardless like we've seen italy which had the hugest spike out of all of them and they're all back to not necessarily normal or pre-covid levels but they're all able to go outside <laughs> They can go to the pub, you know, and it's just this idea, like looking at everybody else going, okay, they all could do it. You know, there's no reason that why, you know, it's going to work in some place like Germany or China, mm -hmm. like for Christ's sake, you're talking about population even more mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, it's a lot of um, very relevant crap 
related to upcoming November mm-hmm. <laughs> that is politicizing, you know, children's health. Yeah. So good times. Well, it- I'm a little salty. The thing I come back to a lot is philosophy. Um, so I started my journey of psychology being an existential psychologist. I still am one at heart, but I lose lots of people when I start talking philosophy and existentialism. So I learned to filter it through acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, <laughs> but yes, there is. What a- is existential therapy for the listeners? Existential psychology is essentially where you are looking at these different existential crises that we have within us, uh, fear of death, fear of loss of meaning in your life, uh, the quest for beauty, for purpose, and understanding how those different crises that we have can create psychoses in our lives and that you help people find that meaning, finding that purpose, and it can not necessarily cure you, but it gives you that focus in your life to go out and to do what you want. It gives you that purpose for living. And if you have a reason to get up and get out of bed, facing your depression, facing your anxiety becomes a lot easier because now there's a reason for existing. There's not just like, I am here and existing. Uh, it is heavy duty philosophy. I freaking love it. Um, <laughs> my brain. But uh, existential psychologist, uh, Victor Frankel. Well, no, Eric from. Oh gosh, I think it was Eric from. Hold on, the book's on my shelf. <laughs> See, always cite your. Yes, sources. that's right. Very good, very good, Doctor Dunlap. Very good. <laughs> I'm ready for uh, when we when we talk about what we've been noodling on because I have this. Oh, book. I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, downstairs. I saw you tweeting about it. Yes, yes, it was Eric. I'm only Eric from the Escape from Freedom. Uh, I haven't read it since graduate school, so I will put it out there on that but it is this lovely discussion on how we as humans have this desire to be free we want freedoms we want liberties but when we get those things we have responsibility that comes with it and so the more free we are the more responsibility we have and we don't like responsibility we want to flee responsibility so somehow we want this thing where we can have liberties without responsibility and that doesn't exist and so it's this really interesting discussion on that. And so I actually talk about it a lot with my clients and like that idea of what does it mean to be responsible for yourself and for your own life and everything. And so it's, I think a lot of what we're seeing in the American psyche is sort of summed up in the escape from freedom. So it means wearing a mask if you want yes. to be out <laughs> with people and not hugging people at the bar. Yes. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, well, we'll take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about what we're playing. Hey, I'm Jonathan Anslow. You can catch me on Retronathan Fridays at 430, where I'll be playing various indie games that feature a retro aesthetic. Come reminisce with me about a time when chiptune and pixel art ruled. And we're back. So we're gonna, let's take a break from the heavy subject, come back to something like, what have you all been doing for fun? Like, what have you been playing? What have you been doing? I have moved off of animal crossing momentarily i, I oh yes. that was a lot of gas yes. um and all a nice microphone so i could really hear them um so i saw an article a couple of weeks ago about animal crossing fatigue and i feel like maybe i have also reached that point it's gotten to the point where my daughter has you know i play with my five-year-old she's placed too many random things in the town she's taken away all the things i spent time building and it's frustrating and so i haven't logged in in a long time but i have been playing the final fantasy 7 remake which mm. is so beautiful 
But I have to say, I found out that it only is one third of the game and you never leave Midgar and you don't get to ride Chocobos. And honestly, I don't know if I'm going to finish it because that puts me off. I mean, I waited how many years for this remake and it's only a third of a game. Nobody mentioned that like ever in all the reviews of just like, it's beautiful. Fine. It's beautiful. Lots of games are beautiful. The new GTA is beautiful. That's not enough. It's, It's not a full game. So I don't know. So a new game that you're enjoying with a side of salt. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see here. For me, um, I continue to have my regularly scheduled Sea of Thieves Saturdays and my D&D Sundays. So that's been a nice staple. I'm almost a pirate legend. I'm working on it. I just got to catch a, like a thousand more chickens and I will, I will be set. Um, so I've been playing that. Um, but we got Mario Kart for our Switch and have introduced my four-year-old to Mario Kart. And, you know, all the kid modes things are on and he's so excited. Uh, and I have discovered a new way to compete in Mario Kart, which as a competitive person is really important to me. So obviously my husband and I will tag team and do our best to make sure that the child gets in like first place or, you know, mm-hmm. further up the ranks because we're good kind human beings. The second that the child crosses the finish line, however, it becomes like a blood match. (laughs) (laughs) And so like when you're on the final lap, there's this like glaring, like side eye of one another of like, okay, well, if if Grant is in first, I want to be in second. And well, you, you know, and so we start um, battling like that. And it really came to a peak. (laughs) I, I was not sure our marriage was going to survive because I happened to be in first place at one point uh grant had gotten hit by a shell or something and i'm in first place i'm doing my thing and then um, my husband looks over and says oh and he's in second place so i'm in first he's in second kids like in back in 12 because that happens at some point you kind of exist and (laughs) he's like oh yes grant you you really want to push that button right (gasps) now and all of a sudden here comes a blue shell Blue Shell stops me right outside oh. the finish line. And then he coasts past to first. And I looked at him and he looked at me. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure like he had that sheepish grin. Like I'm going to die. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're going to die. Cause I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and uh, you know, obviously there's a child sitting between us. So no murder actually happened, but in my brain it did. And uh, yeah, so be careful out there. It's a tough world. <laughs> wow. Vicious. Vicious. All right. So we know that if we play uh, Mario Kart with Kelly, she will murder us. Only, only if you use my child <laughs> in his position of like, you know, disempowerment and leverage that. To make sure that you win instead okay, of okay, fair, fair. <laughs> yes. Leave the kid out of it. No children so, allowed uh, in group Mario games. Yeah, Sarah, what have you been playing? Um, so I have kept up with my Animal Crossing. Um, mm-hmm. although I've kind of, I've always been a person to play it how I want to, not how the game like pushes you to. Yes, I've had KK visit my island, but I'm not like covering my island and stuff. I'm not a kitschy person when it comes to that, um, but I'm enjoying it. And I like swimming a lot. 
So that's a lot of fun. And I'm very, very afraid of swimming in the ocean in real life. So this is a joy to be able to do it without uh, the risk of running into anything. Like seven years ago, I almost uh, had a shark encounter in the ocean. Swimming, oh gosh. So I'm kind of over it. Forever. Don't worry, because Kelly's catching all the sharks on her island. Yeah. So. And I'm struggling to catch sharks. So <laughs> we need to arrange for a visit. Um, I've also been playing Slime Rancher and Paper Mario Origami King, which Ooh. are both lovely. Ooh, nice. We need to talk about Paper Mario Origami. I'm maybe not now because I know we're on a tight schedule today and we got a topic. But Sarah shared some of what went down in Paper Mario, yeah. and I feel like we need to talk yeah. about Ooh. that. Yeah. So maybe there's a lot more grown up e flavor to it this time around, which is very concerning. Ooh. Like. The way they approached the topic of death was qualitatively different. Hmm. So, teaser for tantalize your palate. Yes, we'll have to talk yes. about that next on our next episode. I'm very interested in that. Yes. Well, I've been was, enjoying. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I've been enjoying Ticket to Ride. Uh, mm -hmm. I got the uh, digital version of it when um, Humble Bundle was having, or no, I got it at the Steam Summer Sale. And then I just proceeded to buy all the maps. And I'm really, I've been playing on the Switzerland map for a while. I think I'm going to go back to the UK map. I'm playing that a lot. Um, also, though, my D&D campaign, we played for eight hours on Sunday, and it was amazing. Um, it was our level 20 battle. So it was hard and long is like it was a slog but it was intense like there was a lot of um hair pulling and fear because like the four bosses we had to kill before we could get to this final 20 20th level came back in video game style all, all at once we had fought them one-on-one -on -one before and so like that was it was really cool to see these enemies that had once like almost downed all of our characters to be something that we were able to take care of and that was a lot of fun and i really enjoyed it that sounds awesome that's so exciting yeah that's and our so characters lovely. all survived like we <laughs> well my character and uh, another person's our characters died but the cleric was still up and had the diamonds to revive us right away so we walked out of our final battle like with a full party which was wow really awesome very cool <laughs> so that's what i've been enjoying in my D and D this week uh, game this week, I um, <clears throat> developed. Uh, I have the spell for a tiny hut, mm -hmm. and I was really excited because I threw down the tiny hut, and I'm like la la la. And then the airship we were on crashed, and so all my party went flying except for me because I was in my tiny <laughs> hut and I was huh? fine. I was very 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 happy. Oh my goodness, it's called a tiny tiny hut. hut is a very wonderful spell. <laughs> it's so it reminds me of a Halo Three bubble shield. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, Cross. <laughs> Meanwhile, in my D&D game on Saturday night, I accidentally uh, procured a tiny tortoise. Thanks, Deck of Wonder. Aww. We were, on a, we're on a train heist right now, and my character is a Beastmaster, thankfully. I know what to do with that, which is uh, I have a dog companion who is now going to carry it on her chest in her armor, like a little... <laughs> And I've commissioned oh. Randall Hampton to create tokens for them, so we're fully planning this, like, you can't see this, <laughs> listeners, but it's like this super eager, super excited tortoise, like hanging out in this little pouch, like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> it's going to be adorable. I love it. Hooray for tiny things. 
And then in clinical role, everybody got, or half the party got captured. I did oh, not no. get captured. No, you did not, though. Left the record show. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> There's shenanigans going to be happening there. That'll be fun. Definitely shenanigans. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be right back. When we come back, we're going to talk about back to school. Bum, bum, bum. Um, hi. This is the voice of Clamshell Guy from Clinical Role. It's a podcast that features a bunch of psychologists and therapeutic game masters who play Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, tune in every other Monday on the Geeks Like Us channel on Twitch. And, um, stay tuned to some YouTube uh, old episodes. <laughs> tune in to find out where my new base seasoning catch on. Uh, let the adventure continue. Thank you. And we're back. So... For, for me, next week is back to school week for my kiddos. And actually, I already have one kiddo who is back to school. And so we are in the time of COVID-19, of lots of spread here in America. And some schools are opening up with all the kids going face-to-face. Some are going full virtual. Um, my schools are down here are going full virtual. Um, some are doing a half program. Um, so three out of four of us have kiddos going back to school and i know sarah you work around a lot of people who do go to school and mm-hmm. are dealing with that stressor and then kelly you also teach so <laughs> how's everyone doing with this like getting ready to go back and i mean i don't even have kids and hearing you say next week is when my kids go back to school raised my heart rate so <laughs> there's that yeah I feel like I feel like I'm at a balance, like a very Zen yin and yang kind of balance. Because one, my kiddo is too young; he just turned four. So if he were going to formal school, school it would be preschool. And the daycare he's at is a preschool, and will take kids up to five. They will like prep them for kindergarten. And so my kiddo's been going there every day. He has not missed a day to school or a day of daycare due to COVID. So which I am immensely grateful, and all that blah 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 blah. However. That also means that I'm going back to school, as Megan mentioned, I teach uh, game design and it's all going to be online and I am losing my mind because I, you know, this wasn't in the manual. I didn't prepare for this. And there's, um, you know, a, a lot of things that I think for professors is one thing, but when you're an adjunct and you only teach one class, it becomes much more difficult because I can imagine in my brain this ideal class. Like I know how to take the affordances of the technology I'm using and leverage it for like the best learning outcomes. I know from the psychology that six minutes or less is when people retain anything over six minutes and it's diminishing returns. Like I know these things. I know how to run a community forum. I'm a community manager. I know how to get people involved. However, I am only an adjunct. Like I, I get, I get paid for the equivalent of like, to basically teach in person once a week. And my classes are two and a half hours. So like 10 hours a month is technically what I need to schedule for. And there's no way, there's absolutely no way for me knowing what like a very good way to design this thing is. It is impossible given the amount of resources and time I have. Cause in addition to doing this, you know, obviously I'm community manager, I take this. I have a 22 person caseload right now for therapy, which if you're not a therapist, it's full time. Mm-hmm. 
And it's actually more than I want, <laughs> but I just had people come back. So I'm like, Oh, I missed you. Okay. Let's just pile on, which is fine. Um, and like, I'm, I'm, I want to work on my game. I want to like see my family. I want to read a book. And so it's, I'm, I am freaking out um, for very different reasons than other people, because I want to make sure that my students have a really good experience that even though it's online, it's still like something they're paying for. And it's a service that I want to render to the best of my abilities. Um, and so I think that's, I mean, yes, worried about the kiddos and the health. Like I've seen the stuff out of Georgia. Oh like, my gosh. What, so like, was it 10,000 kids already? Something like that have tested positive for COVID because they don't require masks and they've had people going back to school for a while. Like there's so many things to stress about. And so typically I love back to school because back to school shopping is the best. Give me my Lisa Frank Trapper Keeper and my color coordinated pencil pouch and the planner that I will never use, but it will definitely take the stickers out of. And now it's like, even that I'm having a hard time lifting my spirits. Even when I get to skip through this, the halls of Staples, it just, it's hard. Yeah. How about you, Rachel? Yeah. So my kids um, go to a private school, which gives them the advantage of small class sizes, which I know is a huge advantage because a, a lot of it is about too many kids in the same space. Um, but it's still too many kids in the same space and you can only do so much. And if one kid in the school gets sick, if one person in your group project doesn't do the right thing, it affects everyone. And so I'm really struggling with the idea of going out of my, my bubble here they recommend your social bubbles are 20, you can have 20 people or less in your social bubbles. My social bubbles are literally two other families. Like I am not messing around. Like I have zero interest in like spreading around this pandemic um, or getting it myself. My husband's compromised. You know, I just don't want it. It sounds terrible. So when you send them back to school, my, my friend, uh, a fellow mother in my daughter's classroom was saying, well, you're just expanding your bubble to a hundred people of 10 people because you know you have like their family it's like what? yeah but each of them well she was saying because there's 10 other kids in the class so like them and their yeah. 10 social right so now you're at 100 it's like but really you're exposed to the whole school number one number two i've seen people out on the lake okay their bubbles are more than 10 and i know for a fact that some of them are those people on the group project you don't want to be paired with who have been going you know, to the lake who have been having backyard graduation parties. And it's like, I don't trust the other people around me. So what I'm planning on doing now, thankfully my kids are young. My daughter is five going on six, but here um, school is not, you don't legally have to send your kids to school until first grade. So she doesn't legally have to go to school. My son is only, he's about to be three, so I can keep them home. But all the private schools are fully booked because everyone knows that smaller class sizes are better. So I can't pull them out of the school because I'll lose my spot and there's a waiting list. But I also can't send them to school because <laughs> I'm anxious about it. So my current plan is I'm going to keep them home for the first six weeks of school. School here doesn't start till the first week of September and see how it goes. And my, in my gut, my mom's senses tell me that six weeks in, they will have figured out that it was a terrible idea to send the kids back to school and they'll all be back home. And then we can have online learning again. So that's my plan because they're not doing online learning because they're opening up and letting everyone go to school. So I'm just going to sit back and wait, you know, till mid-October and see how it goes and, you know, let my kids go to the school of Minecraft and Mario Kart because you know what? They're five and three and they'll be fine. <laughs> Have you not heard of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yeah, mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Like I know. 
Listeners, if you haven't heard of this, basically you can connect yourself to the actor Kevin Bacon within six contacts of yourself. It's called Bacon's Law. If you look it up, it's a parlor game, quote unquote, <clears throat> where any two people on earth are six or few, uh, six or fewer acquaintances apart from connection. And so if you think about this, we are very quickly and very obviously less than six degrees away from yeah. someone else who has COVID. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are many more COVID cases than Kevin Bacon's in the world. So if we're only six connections away from Kevin Bacon, you better bet your mom's bottom that we are two from COVID or less. Yeah. So a hundred is way too many. Yes, of course. And yeah. while I don't get absolutely directly political ever, like here or online usually, I will say that personally, I think it's a really, really, really silly idea to send kids back to school systemically. Yeah. As parents, it's a really tough choice and it's things you have to decide and there's chances and risks and things that you've all been discussing so far on like how many people are in the school, what the formats are, why you're weighing these options mm-hmm. and why that's important to do. Absolutely. And I think systemically, it's really unwise of us to push people to get back to quote unquote normalcy when there's still so much sickness around. Yeah. 20 million cases globally. Well, and like, I'm really happy that my county chose to do what they were doing because the original plan was for the first two weeks of school, each kiddo was going to go in for three days and they were going to meet their teacher, meet the kids that were going to be in their class, and then the rest of the year was going to be online. Um, they realized they could not adequate, adequately clean the school between each day when the kids were coming in. They didn't have the supplies. They didn't have the staffing for it. So they canceled the whole thing. It's now 100% online from the start. And I think that's really good because like we were saying earlier, like schools can't even afford to buy the cleaning supplies that we need. Like parents, like when you get those, for those who don't have kids, like the back to school list for school nowadays, like when I was a kid, it was buy your pencils, have your own backpack and your set of crayons for like your younger classes and then pen, you know, pens and graph papers, you got older. Now you need to buy all of those things, but you also have to buy a certain number of glue sticks if um depending on if your child is male or female changes the list and i will there's a pink tax in north carolina that i don't like the girls list is always two dollars more than the boys list um but on that list now is stuff like hand sanitizer mm-hmm. for the class clorox mm-hmm. wipes for the class dry erase markers for the teacher to use to teach like we as parents are expected to buy the supplies to mm-hmm. help make sure that the classroom can function yep even in and, private school where you already pay tuition, you still buy those. Yep. yep. And yeah. for the record, teachers have always and will always continue to buy many supplies that mm-hmm. either parents can't do or that aren't thought of by those thoughtful lists that are very long because it takes a lot to run a classroom mm-hmm. yeah. and or are unavailable when people try to buy mm-hmm. them. And so then teachers are just left with the burden of it. Decorations, different things that you see, teachers are stuck with that cost mm-hmm. because yep. there isn't cost for it funding. But then do you want your kids to sit in a brick room all day and have no stimulation and no visual interest and nothing like teachers put their heart and soul into they it. Do. So it's really scary. They do. And, all and around. They do so much work and are so yeah. underpaid. And I think like, I hope that like a lot of people can maybe start to understand like how much work teachers do and how underpaid teachers are uh, in our, in America at least. And like that, this is a really important profession and like what they do matters and we need to be able to support our teachers more. And if we can't support them safely returning, 
you know, it's a problem. Like lots of people will say like, what's the problem with sending kids to school? Kids aren't dying of COVID. Well, a nine-year-old died of it last week. And you're forgetting the risk to all the teachers. All you the know, teachers, it, all the teachers' families, all the students mm-hmm. who, you know, bring right. it home to their families. Fam- yeah, there, there's just so many problems. But I'm like, you yeah. think about it though, like if one kid exposes everybody in their classroom to COVID, then that teacher has to be out for two weeks. All those students have to be out for two weeks. And then what if the teacher gets sick? We know the course of this disease can run for months. Well, and that's the thing. They're not bringing in supply teachers, uh, substitute mm-hmm. teachers because for obvious reasons. So that's another reason I'm just keeping them home because it's like, it's going to be a mess. And cold yeah. and flu season here in Canada, cold and flu season is a, not a joke. Like you get the cold constantly because um, it's really freaking cold here. But Every time someone has a cold, you're going to be home for two weeks. So it's like, why are you bothering? Just set up good online learning and let's get on with the day. Like, And what, what blows my mind is that at least at the university level, like it's kind of a really terrible unkept secret that like universities are going to open and within two months, they're going to close again. Yeah, exactly. Every single person I know, either because mm-hmm. they are related to, you know, my, me or my jobs or whatever, like if, when you talk to them, it's, well, yeah, I want to go to campus because I need to get away from my parents, which I understand, but you know, they're going to, you know, at the latest they're going to close before Thanksgiving because that's what all the universities are doing. And then, but they're probably going to close before that. And so I'll get like a month or two away from my parents and then I'll come back. Like, it's just, we, they know that this is going to happen. And that's from people who are at least old enough to not stick their fingers in their mouth and then stick them in their friend's nose. Yeah. Again, mom of a four-year-old, like there's... <laughs> Just like it, it boggles my mind that we think that kids can do this when a major league baseball team with millions and millions and millions of dollars can't keep their athletes safe. Yeah. What I want to see happen, because again, I work with several um, kids who are in this situation. I want the schools to be open for the kids who need that in person. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many kids who have either learning disabilities or something where online learning really is not going to work for them. It's just not. And then they're going to be at a disadvantage. And so if the school is closed down, except for like maybe the, you know, 15 to 20 resource kids and they were each in their own class, like you could actually do teaching that way for the kids who genuinely need it or the kids who need to come in because that's the only place that they get food. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that they get their lunch. Like there, there could be ways to make it work, but it it seems like it's very much been everybody goes back or nobody goes Mm -hmm. back. I'm like, that's not... I also have to sing the praises of Mecklenburg County again, um, because one of the things that they're doing is for the families who rely on the breakfast and lunch that's served at school, they're doing, um, I forget what they're calling it. It's like school feeds or something like that. And it's basically a reverse bus route at, you can go and pick up your lunch and your breakfast at your bus stop. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So like, it's really interesting because like the online learning that we did in the spring, it was the best it could be because it was done last minute. But like this year they're saying like mm-hmm. the kids are going to have art online. They're going to have gym class. Like they're going to be expected to do like have the zoom call set up and be doing like little running workouts and things like that. Like they're actually regimenting it to have like, okay, you're going to have this teacher's going to do reading with you. Then you're going to do writing with this person and you're doing this stuff and they're all getting supplies. So like, it, it seems like at least here the schools were really planning on 
we're, we know we are going to have to go full online and we're going to make it good. So I, I really hope for other places that they can have a similar experience to that. Cause it's, it's stressful. And like, I don't know. I like the back to school shopping too and getting the cute pens and all of mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And it's just not happening this year. Well, and I think it's noteworthy that like in Mexico, they are streaming on TV mm -hmm. classes and lectures and education. Like, oh, how cool. For people without internet access, more people on average have internet or have television, have cable, have local channels, have the ability to use some bunny ears and get the satellite enough to get the first 10 channels. They're lo locally running it on television for children who cannot and want to stay safe and still need access to those programs. So, and it's hard. All of the resources that we typically suggest for people as alternatives, like if you don't have internet at home, go to the library. Oh, can't go to the library, can't go to school, can't go. But school's open now. Well, that's not helpful for so many kids. Ugh, yeah. ugh. It's so problematic. Lauren, and no matter what, like the pressure's on the parents to decide then what they do with their kids. Like, that's not fair either. That's not fair to any of you to have to have made the decisions. Like, Rachel had to get her kids into private school because that's, that's her choice as a parent to get them into a good school and have those resources and have the classroom sizes that she chose. And then now she's at risk of losing her children's place because she wants to keep her kids healthy and alive. That is not a decision you should have to make. Yeah. Well, and like, again, we're, this is our guys, our most political episode, but like uh, also like the risk of school shootings. I've been seeing on Twitter, some teachers talking about their fear around school shootings because they have certain lockdown measures that they do in the schools. But it's like this thing of what was it? One teacher was saying that they're making all the hallways one way. So in order for kids to come back around the hallway, they actually have to exit the building and come back in. So that means like exterior doors have to remain unlocked during the day. And that so they're like, is horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, you know, and so it's like, there was, heck? Well, then do you employ someone to be a door monitor, which means that person's more at risk and they're an adult, which means they're more at risk. Like, mm hmm. I mean, there was another comment about like, okay, so as a teacher, when we go into an active shooter situation, do I still have to keep my students six feet apart? I'm like, oh God. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That, that is, that is the U.S. education system. Yeah. These words should not be coming out of my mouth. No, no. It, it's just, I don't know. It's a really hard decision and like, it's a lot of stress and like, I think one of the things I always want to do as well is to validate, like if you are a parent and you're sitting and struggling and like you want your kids to go back to school because they need the social interaction, you want them to be learning from somebody who's actually been trained on how to teach them things on, you know, and not you and, you know, we get it. We all want it. Like I'm, my heart breaks so much because my youngest is starting kindergarten and like, they've been talking for over a year about their excitement for riding the school bus. Um, and that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And like, I get it. I understand. I support why it's not happening, but I can also be heartbroken that it's not happening. Yeah. Or as we would say in the therapy room, it's not happening this semester, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. possibly not this year. 
but that's still incredibly heartbreaking and incredibly difficult. And like, there's, there's something about my little four-year-old coming up to me, mommy, can we go to the playground? Oh, not today. Oh, is it still closed because of the mm-hmm. virus? Like, <laughs> yeah. And then he's got like his little Snoopy mask that he wears. And I'm like, okay, okay. I know I'm getting old now and I'm supposed to be like kids today, curmudgeon and whatnot, but like, these poor kids yeah. from the little ones who like have never really known any different to the older ones who are like going off to college and wanting to, or people, you know, God forbid people graduating into the, the market. Like that's one thing I try to commiserate with. Like I graduated in December of 2007 because I graduated early because I'm smart um, or mm-hmm. I have no life either way. Like to that, that spring 2008 was the, the housing crash. Yep. Like that was the great recession. So I know exactly what is, I don't know what it's like to graduate into a pandemic, but I know what it's like to graduate into a recession without mm-hmm. one. And it sucks. And it's just like, there's this weird disconnect between those who are like, I guess, empathic or just have any connection to humanity yeah. around like, oh my God, this is so hard. This is so hard for everyone versus those who are like, you know, I don't have to wear a mask. Yeah, like I, well, this isn't something that I have to worry about, or this doesn't apply to me, or I don't personally know anybody who has COVID, so I'm okay. And it's like, (laughs) exactly, Simon. Exactly. He said it. Oh, I guess like the final message to everybody is just be safe, do your best. Um, You know, hopefully, as parents, if you choose to do something unpopular, like making your kids wear masks, even if they're getting mixed messages from other people, or if you choose not to go somewhere like Nickelodeon Universe, the theme park inside the Mall of America opened yesterday. I would never dream of bringing my niece and nephew there. Never. Mm -hmm. Not until there's a vaccine and we can somehow get this thing under control. Disney's open. you know what? Yeah. Well, and they're reducing now and Disneyland is not opening. They're not Mm. opening anytime soon because of the state of California. And so it's like, it is better safe than sorry if you can. If you can't, thinking about what you're going to do with your kids is the important bit and trying your best. And no matter what, it doesn't make you a bad parent if you keep them home or if you send them to Mm -hmm. school, but trying your best to keep everybody safe is what's important. And at the end of the day, you have to make decisions that you don't want to because we're in a position that we don't want to be in. So that's it. You're all good moms. Yes. I love you all. All moms are good moms. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This is the part of the show where we talk about the different things that our brains have been noodling on over the last week or so. So who wants to start? I'll go first. Uh, I feel like super professional because I have a book recommendation and I'm super excited. Um, The book recommendation is called The Infinite Playground, A Player's Guide to Imagination by Bernard D. Coven, who is pretty well kind of like famous in the games and play research space. I have only just started to get through it. So I don't have a lot of noodles per se, but I'm very excited to dig my noodles into this. Um, But relatedly, and I I think um, I mentioned this on Twitter, I did a a, a training, a a continuing education training on non-suicidal self-injury. So as a warning, I'm going to briefly talk about non-suicidal self-injury with no nothing graphic just like acknowledging that it exists in the world um and i was really struck by the parallels between like how why it happens and how to treat it treat it in quotes um and what we've seen in terms of problematic video game play so the the long the i guess the long story short version is 
they both problematic video game play and non-suicidal self-injury are ways of managing intense emotions that have no place else to go and that treating them is missing the point and rather they are indicators of a deeper pathology that needs to be addressed and they are just the coping mechanisms so i could go on all day about that it was a fantastic training if anybody's interested i'm happy to share it with you it was only one hour so it's only one ceu it's like 19 bucks um but i really really enjoyed it so that's where my brain's been at cool awesome <laughs> Well, I've been noodling on a lot of things, uh, relationship stuff, which I'll probably address once things are more along the way. Um, but also like streaming, PAX Online is happening for queer women of esports. Uh, there's, we're just setting up a mentorship program. Um, and so I'm very excited about that and um, I feel a lot of imposter syndrome about being a mentor in esports, considering I've never competed, but being an expert in gaming and psychology and foraying into the topic of esports. I'm seeing a hand. Yes, Kelly. Do you, do you have to be queer to be a mentor in queer in esports? Queer women of esports? Uh, yeah. Do you, have, do you have to be queer to be a mentor? You know, that, that was a topic that we covered last time in an administrative meeting, but I'm having an administrative meeting tomorrow. And the last time I checked in, I'm going to give you a soft, no, you don't, but I need to double check. Okay. All right. There. Just as a former esports player, yeah. hella respect in the space, which is one of the, yeah. And I think <laughs> having a woman to woman or that now this is a soft W O M X N if you are trans female, if you are, if you are non-binary, but you lead female, this is also for you. If you are looking for mentors, um, not to advertise, do not need to advertise on geeks like us. I apologize. But it's just, a, it's a funny thing to noodle about. Cause it's like, I've never set up a mentorship program and I've never thought about like what it is to be a mentor in such a space. Um, not that I don't think I can do it, but the imposter syndrome tends to creep in whenever I face something new like this, but I'm excited at the same time. And then how to like circumvent injuries because my little puppy is, as we can all see in the video, I was walking my, I was dumb, dumb choices, people. I was walking my dog on a wet grass downhill in sandals and uh, she pulled me when she was excited because she saw something and my arm scraped down a retaining wall. So that was fun. Uh, very painful. Very, very painful. Uh, so how to circumvent injuries with a big dog. So there's my mixed bag of fun times. <laughs> that is a mixed bag. Uh, I've also been thinking about PAX Online because all the panels need to be pre-recorded. And uh, if you've caught any of my <laughs> any of my attempted streams, I say attempted, they were streams, but my computer can barely handle one face um, without really going like in the background. So I'm doing one, I have one panel that I need to record and there is me plus four other people. And I am quite concerned at my ability <laughs> to record it on my computer uh, without it being, you know, podcast style. Like you, you obviously want the video part of that recording. So thinking about different ways to kind of figure that out. And I'm also thinking a lot about my respect for teachers, uh, not just about sending them back to school and having teachers having to be the front lines at, at school shootings and the front lines in pandemics and, and buying things out of their own pockets and everything about that, but also just the general amount of time it takes to plan lessons. Like Kelly was talking about earlier, 
I'm doing um, for Leyline training. I'm doing a, a CE this weekend and I've been working on this CE for like continuing education credit for a incredibly long time. And it's like, you don't realize how much time it takes to create like one hour of educational content. It takes a lot of time. So props to all you teachers out there. Yeah, I just did a CE a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, it took you did. So long to prep. Oh, it was good. I was really yeah. proud of it at the end. I got, but like because I was planning on going to a lot of conventions in the fall, I my next one is like a month away, and so now I already need to like be really hitting the ground running with getting that one going. So mm. um, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Um, I've been I, I've been really noodling a lot on story. Um, a few YouTube channels that I have just completely fallen in love with and love watching all of their stuff is um, Overly Sarcastic Productions and then also uh, Hello Future Me and their deep dives into uh, uh, Red and Blue who do Overly Sarcastic Productions. Blue does history stuff and Red she does more of trope, she has these trope talks that are fascinating and uh, she did this whole little animated series of going journey to the west um and they're really good and it's just really cool to learn about like story and narrative pacing and to think about like how to use different elements um i actually just watched i don't know why i had missed this one before but hello future me did one about a year ago on dragons and how do you fit dragons into your world and uh it's been something interesting of being a dungeon master of thinking about like the role of dragons in the world of dungeons and dragons because like mm -hmm looking at them on paper they should be the apex species and running everything mm -hmm. so like trying to figure out how to answer that question of why don't they and if they are so intelligent why don't they have their own will to behave in a way that they want to and like i feel like i got an answer to that question uh, and so when we wrap up campaign one of clinical role and dive into campaign two which is going to have a very different format i'm excited about it it might crash and burn We'll see. I don't know. But <laughs> is there a cast uh, for episode two? Uh, for the season two? Uh, yeah. Well, I'll tease it. So I'm going to do it. a West, West Marshes style because everybody, like, we've been lucky this year because of COVID. Everyone's been a lot more available for regular games, but normally we're all traveling and going to things. Um, so the, ne the next season or the next campaign of Clinical Role, it's going to be a whole group of people so i'm going to be bringing in more of the uh, what we call ourselves the pex pals all of the psychologists who are geeks and gamers and so we're going to have a much wider cast and what's going to happen is it's going to be this you know basically there's going to be an adventure it's so like you're going to need about three to four people and you're going to be one they're going to need to be about level four mm -hmm. and so when you have three to four people who are all average level four and they can meet for two or three weeks then we play that oh cool and then once that's adventures done, they go back to headquarters and then the next group goes oh, out. Oh, cool. It's, so, it's the MCU. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It'll be very MC, more MCU-ish. Um, cool. I'm liking it though, because it's going to allow for more people to be part of the story. Yeah. And I think it's also going to be short stories instead of yeah. a longer term campaign, yeah. which I think will be easier for people to follow um, and enjoy, hopefully. We'll cool. see. It might crash. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But I've been enjoying just a lot of thinking about story and learning about story. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much. Thank you to our producer, Amelia. She makes us all sound good and puts this together in a cohesive whole. And uh, anyway, you all take care of each other. We'll see you soon. Bye. You too. Bye.
Brain Noodles is a product of geeks like us. Your host for this podcast is Dr. Megan Connell with her fellow noodlers, Drs. Kelly Dunlap, Sarah Hayes, and Rachel Cowart. Your producer for this podcast is Amelia Herbst. Music for this podcast is The Life of Riley by Kevin McLeod. Follow us on Twitch and Twitter at Geeks Like Us. That is G33KSLIKUS. That's right, geeks with two threes like us. And until next time, keep noodling. <laughs>